Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, back with another episode here in The Truth. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our 32 Teams in 32 Days series, episode number two, as we are going to be taking a look at the Miami Dolphins. If you guys missed the first episode of 32 Teams in 32 Days yesterday, we kick things off with the New England Patriots. And today, like I said, we're going to be focusing on the Miami Dolphins. For those that are new to this series, it's basically going over each NFL team 32 days in a row. That way you guys get as prepared as possible for the upcoming NFL season. Today's team, as I mentioned, for the 400th time is the Miami Dolphins. And so we're going to go over our three key players, our bust, our breakout player, sleeper player, team MVP, two key draft picks, as well as free agents, signings, or offseason moves, our three keys to success, and our divisional predictions slash possibly Record. Without further ado, AJ, who is your first key player for the Miami Dolphins this season? The first key player I listed is Toram Armstead, uh, one of the best offensive linemen uh, coming over in this offseason to the Dolphins to protect Tua. Obviously, Tua had the scary uh, head injury uh, last year, and having him on the team now, uh, Armstead on the team now to protect Tua is a very big help. I mean, that's one of the that was their big downfall last year was Tua going down. So my first key player is going to be Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek Hill obviously played for the Chiefs his first six years, put up insane numbers, was one of the most fun wide receivers to watch in, in all of football for that matter. One of the fastest guys as well as 29 years old, entering his second season with the Miami Dolphins. Last year was a career year for him as far as receptions and yards, 119 receptions, 1,710 yards, and seven touchdowns. You know, for the Miami Dolphins this season, it was obviously heavily focused that Tua Tagovailoa went healthy, and even the backup quarterbacks for that matter, like Bridgewater and Skyler Thompson, were having a heavy emphasis on Tyreek Hill and throwing him the ball. I think that's going to be a similar thing this year. And Tyreek Hill did previously come on the air and say it, I'm going to go ahead and give a hot take. I think he gets 2,000 yards this season. I mean, if you look at the grand scheme of things, he's only 290 yards shy, which sounds ridiculous, but there were some games where he had very limited production. Going into this year with a full, uh, well, I guess I should say knock on wood, hopefully a fully healthy two of the connection that those two had, he's very capable of getting 2,000 y- uh, yards. I also do believe he'll be over at least 10 touchdowns. was a bit surprising to see, you know, 1,710 yards and only seven touchdowns. Um, compared to previous years in 2020 where he had 15 and 2018 where he had 12. I think Tyreek Hill definitely is the best receiver in football this season, and I do believe that he'll get at least 130 receptions for 2,000 yards and at least 10 touchdowns. An absolutely insane year that I feel like we haven't seen in, in a longevity uh, campaign. Uh, your second key player. Second key player I have is going to be Bradley Chubb. I mean, he's one of the best linebackers in the league. Uh, he's able to cover. He's able to go in and uh, get sacks whenever he needs to. Last year, he fit in 15 uh, games between uh, – or, sorry, 16 games between Denver and Miami. Got eight and a half sacks, three forced fumbles. Within that time, uh, he only did combine for 39 tackles. But overall, Chubb is going to be a very big addition to his team. They, Miami did get to see him for, set, or for eight games uh, last year for when they traded for him. But I think – Chubb is going to really flourish in this defense. My next key player I'm going to stick on the wide receiver side is going to be Jalen Waddle. Now, in his first year, he broke out into the scene as far as 104 receptions, 1,015 yards, and six touchdowns. Was more of a steady wide receiver this uh, that year, but that was also without Tyreek Hill. 
This year with Tyreek Hill's receptions were down a bit with 75, but it was more the deep ball threat. Had a couple big deep touchdowns. 75 receptions, 1,356 yards, and eight touchdowns. It seemed like with Jalen Waddell, as a fantasy owner of Jalen Waddell, it was very difficult because some games he would get five fantasy points, you know, two catches, 24 yards. And then the next week he'd get 12 receptions for like 300 yards and like four touchdowns. I mean, obviously not those numbers, but that's just how it felt to be. Now, again, with the two wide receivers in Hill and Waddell, um, you got to have an equal balance, and maybe that is the equal balance. Maybe Tyreek Hill is more the – Middle ground, um, yeah, obviously, you give him the ball short, he can make a lot of big moves deep in space. Jalen Waddle, more of a deep ball threat. He did have some questionable drops, too, throughout the season last year. So, curious to see. But the dynamic duo of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill is absolutely insane. Miami does obviously have a heavy emphasis on throwing the football, if you could not tell. And they're going to do a lot more of that this year as well. So, having these two wide receivers kind of coincide with one another, I would go with Tyreek Hill as far as consistency, but Jalen Waddle is going to be a guy that's going to probably provide more deeper numbers as far as maybe receptions to yards and the equal balance there with 18 and a half, uh, 18.1 average per catch, which is still really insane in the NFL. And then your final key player. My final key player is a player you already mentioned, Tyreek Hill. Uh, I don't need to go over his game. I mean, I think everyone realizes how good he is. Uh, I don't think he does get to the 2,000 mark, but I think he probably gets pretty damn close. Uh, I think if there's close enough and they're already going to take the division, I do see him having him suit up and uh, get those final few catches to get the yards if he is close enough. But, yeah, Tyreek Hill is just a beast, and him and two of the connection that they got uh, going on is really unbreakable and is probably one of the probably up there to be one of the best connections in the league right now. And my final key player is going to be Tua Gananalopoa Tagovailoa. Now, if you guys don't know, that's actually his full name. It's not Tua Tagovailoa. I was sad to find that out when I was doing research for this podcast early on. Um, but anyways, Tua is going to be my third key player. I normally don't go three offensive players, especially with it being two wide receivers and one cornerback, quarterback, excuse me. But with how the Miami roster is built, I thought it was a must because at the end of the day, they're going to live and die by passing the football. We obviously know Tua. Um, he's been better every year. His first year definitely was disappointing. Uh, 64 completion percentage, 1,800 yards, 11 and 5. Then it improved to 67.8, 2,653 yards, 16 and 10. And then last year, 64.8, 3,548 yards, 25 touchdowns and 8 interceptions, 105.5 rating. So it was his best year by far. And obviously he did deal with his, what, two, three concussions last year. Um, so he missed some time there too. A fully healthy Tua Tagovailoa, a fully healthy Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are absolutely insane. Not to mention Tua can also use uh, his legs. I'd be questioned to see maybe how he uses his legs, especially with um, health concerns as well as uh, potentially, you know, the hits that he'll be taking, whether it's running the football or catching the football, uh, I'm sorry, throwing the football as well. So I do believe, you know, you got a dual threat quarterback at Tua. He is 25 years old, but how has his concussions impacted him? We'll have to see down the line. But I do think he is in a prime position to uh, have some success. So we're going to have to take a look and see, but I do think he's going to be a great player. And as long as he stays healthy, provide great numbers for Miami's offense this season. What about your bust? The bust I have, I just have, I just put down the entire tight end room. I mean, after losing Gasicki, there's no one else there. I mean, Durham Smythe, I guess the only like quote unquote name that people would really recognize that or Tyler Croft. But outside of that, I'm going to name you a couple guys and tell me if you ever heard of them. Tanner Connor, Elijah Higgins, Julian Hill, 
Obviously, Tyler Croft, like I just mentioned, Eric Sobert and Durham Smythe. That's their tight end room right now. And two of them are rookies. One of them's a second-year guy. And the other, t- and besides Croft, the other two are six-year veterans. And Croft is a nine-year veteran at this point. Uh, there isn't many guys on this team uh, t- in the tight end room that could really stand out. I mean, with you having Tyreek Hill and Waddle, uh, you don't really need a receiving tight end. You probably just want more of a blocking tight end to protect two of her for him to get the ball to those two guys. But just overall, that tight end room is really bad. It's probably one of the worst in the league. I'm going to go ahead and go with Raheem Mostert. And I said this last year, too. It might become a surprise to some, but Miami is so focused on throwing the football. I don't know how they're going to fair share with their running back room. You know, they have Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., Devin Akaney, and Miles Gaskin as their running backs. And I think how Miami typically operates is they kind of filter in those running backs. Sometimes, um, they have Raheem Mostert getting a lot of the carries, or other times they have Jeff Wilson getting the carries. And I think as far as production, the running backs are combined kind of for a single production standpoint compared to each individually having a complete focus on Raheem Mostert or a complete focus on Jeff Wilson, whatever. So I think the uh, the difference there between a team like uh, the the Dolphins, for example, or a team that has a more established running back who uses you know, one or two running backs is going to be is going to be the key there. So we'll definitely see. Uh, but like I said, I said the same thing with Raheem Mostert last year, and he had 181 attempts, 891 yards, and three touchdowns. He isn't going to be a big touchdown threat per se, but he is going to be their main running back. So we'll see. But I think as far as productivity is concerned, I'm not too high on him this season. Uh, your breakout player. My breakout player, I'm going to have Jalen Phillips, the linebacker. For Miami, last year he had seven sacks in his rookie year. He had eight and a half sacks. He's more of a pass rushing linebacker, and now with having Bradley Chubb there, uh, there's going to be more focused on more focused on him uh, in the linebacker room. And I think a lot of teams are going to not forget about Jalen Phillips, but they're going to make him the secondary option to pay attention to. I think he's going to thrive in that position. I think he's probably going to get ten plus sacks this year. Uh, he doesn't really, like I mentioned, he doesn't really. He's a pass rushing first linebacker he doesn't get much coverage uh 61 tackles combined last year so he isn't going to be the guy dropping back Uh, he's going to be the guy he's going to drop back here and there uh and to just give out an option but he's going to be brushing the quarterback most of the time i'm going to go ahead and go with another defensive guy it's going to be deshaun elliott safety he is 26 years old he played his first three seasons at baltimore had you know two really solid years one I mean, not the best year, but that was also because he only played in six games two of the years. And then last year, he played for Detroit, only played in 14 games, but had 96, um, sorry, 73 tackles, 23 assists, one forced fumble, one interception. He's not going to be a guy that's necessarily going to be a big turnover guy, but he is going to be a good tackle guy, get a lot of tackles, high-end tackles for that Miami secondary. And you look at the Miami secondary, for example, um, you got guys like Deshaun Elliott, Xavier Howard, Javon Holland, Jalen Ramsey, which was obviously... Um, you know, a relatively decent secondary room. I think Deshaun Elliott definitely has the capabilities to have a lot of success. And I do believe his numbers will be up a little bit. And he will be a guy for the Dolphins that is one of those breakout players and, and one of those guys that uh, is going to be able to have a lot of success. So I do think that was a, it was a good add for the Dolphins to add him there. I think he fits in right in with Miami's defense and kind of their intentions moving forward. Uh, your sleep out, sleeper player, excuse me. So this is what I have is Emmanuel Ogba. He was a second-round pick back in 2016. 
uh, by Cleveland. And you may remember the name a little bit for when he was on the Chiefs during that super, during the Super Bowl run back in 2019. Uh, last year, only nine games. He only played nine games and had one sack. But outside of that, he's usually pretty consistently healthy. The last two, two years before that, when he was with Miami, played 16 games, nine sacks, 17 games, nine sacks. The reason why I have as my sleeper is that uh, there's not going to be a lot of attention going towards him, in my opinion. And I feel like he's going to be one of those guys who's going to get back to that nine-plus uh, sack range. And he's going to be uh, he's going to be a sleeper. I mean, a lot of teams aren't going to really realize how good that he is. I think most people don't realize that he uh, is right around average, right around that nine-sack per season average. And he's gonna. I think he's going to keep on just building on that, especially for how good this defense has been built. Uh, for this next couple, for this next year, I'm gonna go ahead and go with uh, Durham Smythe, as you had mentioned earlier. Uh, the tight end room probably gonna be a bust because of their tight ends are, like I said, not very good uh, to say the least, at least on paper. But there's always a guy that does kind of move through the mix: Tyler Croft, Eric Sobert, Elijah Higgins, or the other tight ends. And Durham Smythe last year, as far as I guess a role playing tight end, 15 receptions. 129 yard, yards and one touchdown. 8.6 average per catch, which is actually pretty solid, at least in my opinion. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a guy that's going to be a difference maker for the Miami offense, but I do believe he is going to get a lot of looks because at the end of the day, Tua, I'm sorry, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are going to have a lot of success, but they're also going to have a lot of coverage on them. And potentially, depending on who they have in the backfield in the moment, having a guy like Durham Smythe, who may not be the guy that jumps off the page on the paper for you guys, uh, for the Dolphins, is going to be a guy that does make an impact and is going to be a guy that has some, I guess, dump-down success. So we'll see what he ends up being, but he is 27 years old. He comes from a great tight end school in Notre Dame, a very well-established tight end, 6'6", 246. Not necessarily known for his run-blocking ability as of late, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the case when you got a guy like Raheem Mostert um, as your main running back. And then your team MVP. My team MVP, I have... Uh, Tyree Kill as my team MVP. I mean, he's gonna—he's probably the most talented player on the team, uh, at least on the offensive offense side of the ball. And if he really is gonna get close to that 2,000-yard mark, uh, I mean, like we mentioned, he did have 1,700 this past year without Tua for a good amount of games down the stretch. Uh, so if he does complete that goal that he has for himself, I mean, I don't think there's anyone who can argue that he isn't gonna be the best player on the team. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill, I mentioned high expectations again for him this season. Like I said, the stats, obviously, for earlier on the, uh, the show, there's no need to repeat them. But for what he's going to project himself to do, I mean, I think he definitely has a chance to be the team MVP. He has a chance to be a guy that has maybe even half or a third of the yards that two or any quarterback throws. So that's a lot of opportunity for success. Be curious to kind of see how he does filter into that offense again this season here in year two with the Dolphins, but he is going to be the best player, not only on the offensive side, but the best player for the Dolphins as a whole. Okay, uh, your two key draft picks. What's your first one? The first key draft pick I put down is Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Uh, his senior year, uh, he had only one interception, or sorry, he only had one interception in most of his collegiate career. He wasn't much of a ball hawk. But he got a lot of pass deflections. He broke up a lot of passes. And there wasn't a lot of yards uh, averaged against him when the ball was thrown in his way. And the quarterback room overall in Miami is very good. Having Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey there and a couple other guys. But I think that Cam Smith can probably fit in as 
uh, a slot guy or at least the number three, potentially number four guy on this defense. And he's going to be able to get some, he's going to get a lot of pass deflections this coming up year. Yeah. So interestingly for the Dolphins, the Dolphins only had four selections this season. So they really had to make the most of their selections if they wanted to, uh, quote unquote, have some draft success. He is a bit of a veteran per se, 22 years old coming out of South Carolina. You know, he comes from a good program, but in my opinion, I thought this was one of those picks that was kind of a force pick, not necessarily one that they were quote unquote desiring for. Not saying that he's not a good player, but I thought his production did kind of suffer, especially last season. Um, He played in 11 games for South Carolina, only one interception uh, for him, 23 tackles. So, I mean, that's not necessarily a jaw-dropping performance. I don't necessarily know the impact he's going to be making this season. Sure, maybe a three-cornerback system. um, He's going to be able to filter in. He could be a guy that develops really well down the line, but 6'1", 180, I do think his injury concerns are a bit of a concern for the Dolphins on the defensive side, and I don't think he's necessarily – um, the best cornerback selection here. I do think that they, w- or I wish that the Dolphins had a bit more draft capital to spend and draft picks to have to maybe find a guy that um, could have success. But in my opinion, it just wasn't necessarily the right pick. But it could be the right pick. It's just, I think there's too much risk here with a guy like him, especially with how your secondary is looking right now. It was, in my opinion, seemed like a forced selection. And then uh, your second draft pick. My second draft pick I have is Devin Aknine. Ak- I really don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, running back out of Texas A&M. Uh, you mentioned that the running back room isn't the best either in Miami, with, especially with how many pass attempts that they are going to have this year and what they've been showing that they are going to go towards. But last year in his, uh, in his senior year, uh, he had played in 10 games, had 196 attempts with 1,100 in two yards, eight touchdowns. He also had 36 receptions for 196 yards and three receiving touchdowns. I think that the Miami running back room is getting a little bit older uh, as a whole, uh, and I think he's going to really break out. I mean, guys like Jeff Jeff Wilson, he is only 26. Raheem Mostert's 31. Miles Gaskins is 26. Uh, and then all that, Solomon Mahad is 24. Uh, I think he's going to be the youngest guy on the depth chart at the running back position. And I think that they're going to realize how talented he is and using a lot more as more of a one, more as a bowling ball running back in the end zone. I'm going to go ahead and go with a six rounder tight end, Elijah Higgins out of Stanford. If I'm not mistaken, when I was looking up Elijah Higgins before the show, he was a wide receiver or had wide receiver capabilities at Stanford. 59 receptions, 704 yards last season, did not have a touchdown in his collegiate career, which is a bit interesting to say the least. But he is very agile, very athletic for a guy of his build and the ability to play wide receiver and tight end. Obviously, wide receiver isn't necessarily a concern for the Dolphins, and he is right now listed as a fourth string backup tight end, which isn't very great in a very tight end lacking um, area. But I do believe this is a guy that's going to be very – versatile and very athletic three four years time and really has an impact at that aspect so if you're looking for a guy like that i do believe this is going to be your guy and i do believe it is a good pick in that matter but again there's just not a lot out of him he isn't going to be a big touchdown threat obviously he didn't have a touchdown in his collegiate career but that doesn't mean that he isn't going to be a good player so we'll see uh, what successes he's able to have and i do think it's going to be good successes for him um maybe not necessarily this year but but down the line and then uh, your first off-season acquisition. The first 
offseason acquisition that I chose was Teron Armstead from New Orleans Saints. Like I mentioned before, he was one of my key play, key players for the team, and he's one of the best offensive linemen in the team and or in the league. And he's gonna need to keep uh, Tua on his feet, potentially help him not get injured, uh, getting more any more concussions. He is a left tackle, which is more interesting because Tua is a lefty. So he's not protecting his blind spot anymore. I don't believe they're going to move him to right tackle because he hasn't played left tackle his most of his career, uh, at least I, I believe most of his career, potentially his entire career. But like I mentioned, one of the best uh, tackles in the league, and I think he's going to protect Tua this year really well. Now interrupt the podcast for some paid programming. I'm just kidding, guys. It is Niall here. I knew you guys were not expecting to hear just from me after that portion right there. But the reason why I'm on the air is because we record these 32 teams in 32 days in advance of the published date. And since Jalen Ramsey, who was my first free agent, has been out until December or is reported that he's out until December, I took out the Jalen Ramsey portion and wanted to add another key free agent player. I wanted to also mention that we both talk about Jalen Ramsey throughout the rest of the podcast, but just take for what it's worth when he's actually going to be playing on the field because he will make an impact. That's obviously the case. But I just wanted to point that out there, that if you do hear stuff like that occasionally throughout the series, it's totally fine. Just how those schedules work, we usually try to get them out a week or two or make them a week or two in advance. My first key free agent signing is going to be David Long. David Long comes over from Tennessee, where he's had a steady career thus far on the defensive side. Paired alongside guys like Jerome Baker right now, this linebacking core is definitely young and improved. He's 26 years of age, and every year he's gotten better and better. In 2019, played 14 games, only had 9 solo tackles. Last year, 12 games, 52 tackles. He's yet to play a full 17, but has been consistently around the 12 to 14 games played. A great run linebacker as well as defensive pass-catching linebacker. What I mean by defensive pass-catching linebacker is the ability to tackle an open field. In both the last two seasons, he had two interceptions each as well, so it's providing a lot of depth on the defensive side for Miami. Miami's getting a good player here in David Long. He's only going to bolster the defense and something that needs to be the case for Miami's success is having a good defensive core. I'm liking the move by David Long Jr., and I'm also liking the Jalen Ramsey move, but yes, then again, Jalen Ramsey is out till December. So thank you guys for understanding, and now back to regular scheduled broadcasting. And then uh, your second offseason acquisition. So my second offseason acquisition, I kind of forgot about Ramsey, about him getting traded over. So I put the GOAT, Chosen Anderson. If you don't know who that is, that is Robbie Anderson. He did change his name to Chosen. Uh, Yes, seriously, he did. Uh, It's an interesting move that he went there. But he's going to be a decent number three option, uh, slot right right receiver behind Waddle and uh, Hill, who are obviously the one and two. I did forget about Ramsey, so that's why I did put uh, Chosen Anderson in there. So overall, I – I completely forgot about Ramsey, and that's on me. I'm going to go ahead and go with Mike White. It might sound interesting to say that Mike White was a big, I guess, signing per se, but we obviously know the legend of Mike White and this career that he had in New York, um, basically game game by game, it seemed like. Uh, last year, maybe not the best numbers, 1,192 yards, three touchdowns, four interceptions, but he is a proven backup. He's out of Western Kentucky, a late fifth-round selection in 2018 out of Dallas. And I do believe in the grand scheme of things that it's going to end up working out depending on whether Tua is healthy or not. Even if Tua is not healthy, you got a, a veteran player in Mike White to um, kind of hold the team. And I think with the weapons that he does have, 
not necessarily that he didn't have the weapons on New York, but I mean, with you got the wide receivers and, and passing game options that you have in Miami, it's going to be huge uh, for success there. So I do think Mike White's a guy that, that can have tremendous success as a backup for Miami. And uh, your three keys to success. So my three keys to success for Miami Dolphins would be protect Tua overall. He's going to be – he's your guys' leader, quarterback. You don't want anyone to get to, them, get to him, and I believe they did do that, adding Armstead. And I think it's going to be a big thing. I think they're going to use the running backs to stay back there and as an extra protection plan. Uh, and the second one is, does the defense show up? It seems like last year they were in a lot of high-scoring games and games that they probably should have put away pretty early. Uh, if their defense were wasn't letting up as much or as much as many points as they were, and the third is can uh, Hill and Wall do what they did last year? I mean, it was a great combo with what they had last year. Uh, like you mentioned, Hill got the more yards. I think Waddle had the more touchdowns out of the two. Uh, Wall's catches overall went down, uh, but that was him going into his first year with Hill. And I think that they will, but I think that's their three keys to succeed the first season. So my first key to success is the defense has to be better. I mean, this is an offensive-minded team. We obviously know that. We obviously know that the offensive production is going to be top tier. I mean, that's just how it works when you have an offense like Miami does. But the defense has to step up to the plate. I mean, the defense has to be better. There was a lot of shootout games, it felt like, for Miami. I'm not saying that they don't have a bad defensive team. I mean, they have a lot of guys on the defensive side that can um, you know, provide a lot of, of standing. They have a relatively consistently good defense but it has to be better especially when you go up against teams like the bills who i think they're going to be competing for that afc east crown and even other teams that they may have to face in the afc a very high prolific offensive division or conference i should say in my opinion so the defense has to be better two has got to stay healthy i mean at the end of the day he is their franchise quarterback when he started the season last year it looked like a lot of people were finally getting to see the Tua that was inspected and anticipated coming out of the draft class so he has to be healthy because if he's healthy it does provide the Dolphins a better chance to win but he also can't necessarily falter from his position like he can't be too cautious because he's had concussions I mean obviously you don't want to go out there and kill yourself but don't limit yourself too I mean he's a good running dual threat quarterback so just try to limit the hits it does help that I mean you can't necessarily control limiting the hits or not but holding on to the ball too long can definitely hurt he has been prone to that fumbles, all that stuff. So limit the hits, but stay healthy. And then finally, they need to score a lot of points. I think they're going to. I think they're going to be one of the high point teams in all uh, the NFL, but they have to score a lot of points, especially with a lot of the shooters, like I mentioned, that they're going to be facing in the AFC, particularly in their division. A new and improved Jets offense, uh, a very improved and even better Bills offense, Chiefs, all those teams that they're in the AFC, they have to score a lot of points, especially if their defense isn't going to be able to necessarily step up to the, the challenge. And then uh, the division record for prediction for the Dolphins this season. Uh, my prediction, I have them finishing second. I think the defense, they added enough guys. And I think if Tua can stay healthy and be able to do what he did last year throughout the entire year, this offense is going to be scary. I mean, you mentioned they're going to put up a lot of points uh, with the caliber players that they have on this team. So I have Miami finishing second in their division this year. Yeah, I have them finishing uh, second as well with a 12-5 and five record. And typically with a 12-5 and five record, you'd expect, per se, um, you know, to win in the division. But I think the Bills are just a bit better, and we'll talk more about them when we talk about the Bills coming up. But 
you know, 12 and five is a good record. They'll probably be the one or two wild card in the AFC. I just feel like the bills are going to take advantage of the, the dolphins and potentially with Tua's uncertainty for that matter. Um, as far as maybe his health or anything like that, you would maybe want to see kind of what happens, but they're going to be in the playoffs. Nonetheless, they have to, if they're not in the playoffs, it's a very disappointing year because of how good their offense truly is. But We'll see. Uh, I do expect it to be a good year, though, for Miami. And uh, moving forward, they seem to be sent or a, a better position for them. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. Like I said, if you missed yesterday's episode, feel free to go check that out. We covered the New England Patriots as we started the AFC East Division. And tomorrow we're going to be covering the New York Jets, uh, continuing our way through the AFC East Division. So make sure you guys stay on the lookout for that. As always, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.